Welcome to the Fat Stacks Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Ezoic, which is an outstanding platform I use for my niche sites for both monetizing with display ads, split testing, and maximizing revenue, as well as increasing site speed using the Ezoic Site Speed Accelerator app. Check out Ezoic today. Today, I want to talk about the viability of creative hobby niches and explore whether it's a good idea, benefits of such niches, potential problems, traffic monetization, etc. Before I get into the creative hobby aspect, I want to comment on the concept of hobby niches in general. The thing with the whole hobby sector is there are a lot of options, right? And I think hobbies can be broken up into many different types, which I think is really interesting because we typically don't really think about it this way. But uh, when you start analyzing topics for a website, you actually start paying attention to this. So one site I think is actually really cool to check out if you are into hobby niches is hobbylark.com. And they do a really nice job of providing a lot of categorization and information about different hobbies. So, you know, I mean, you could you can break them up in many different ways. And, and the only reason I'm discussing this is because I think this is a good starting point if you're thinking about jumping into a hobby niche. Now, if you pursue a hobby already, obviously that's a, that's a natural fit, right? But perhaps you're thinking about jumping into a niche and you're interested in starting a hobby and you're going to work the two together. That's a viable option. And so there are many different hobbies, which basically every hobby is a niche. You've got hobbies that focus on mine, like chess and various board games and puzzles. Stuff you can do with your kids, kite flying, magic, Lego. I've done my share of Lego in the last couple of years. Active adventure stuff outside, basically any type of sport, camping, hiking, swimming. Then you can go more in the academic angle with history. I, I enjoy history quite a bit. I like reading historical novels. I don't really know enough to write a website about it. I think that would be, you would require quite an in-depth level of, of knowledge and experience and reading to do a, a good history site. But I know there are a lot of hi- history buffs out there that could pull it off. Then there are hobbies that you can actually make money from. These are very popular for niche sites. Think cake decorating, crafting, DIY stuff, collecting or collector niches. And then we have what I call creative niches or crafter niches. And that's what I want to talk about today because I think these are covered differently. The type of niche you actually go into would be covered slightly differently in a on a particular website. So I want to talk about the creative hobby niches, such as crocheting, quilting, sewing, soap making, pottery, painting, scrapbooking, etc. So let's talk about those. Why why would you want to do, let's say, a hobby niche in general? I, I think there well there's two reasons, right? First off, it's fun, especially if you if you're in the niche, if you do, if you pursue the hobby and you've done it for years, it's it's a great fit. And the other reason is there is a good amount of money to be made in a hobby niche because there's usually stuff that you need to buy and there are lots 
of content ideas that you can monetize with display ads. And you have a built-in audience, right? I mean, knitting. There are a lot of knitters in the world. So if you start a website about knitting and it's good, you have this audience of knitters who will very likely, hopefully, end up on your site. So uh, for that reason, anytime you can identify a particular audience with a niche, I think it's a good option. Now let's talk about traffic. Now traffic is going to result mostly from Google search, but I wouldn't restrict it to that. And this is one reason I really like hobby niches is I think you have the potential for a variety of traffic sources. Google's probably going to be your starting point. You're going to publish, well, get into the types of content you could do, but that's going to start pulling in traffic. And But what, here's what you need to do with that Google traffic is you need to build up your audience, right? You've got, let's say you're doing a knitting night, uh, knitting site, right? You want it to be good so that those visitors are going to join your email newsletter. They're going to be interested in your podcast. They're going to check out your YouTube video and they're going to visit your Pinterest boards and possibly Instagram and so on, right? Because they're interested in what you're doing. Hopefully you as a knitter are doing some really cool things and you have some good tutorials and you have a lot of good projects that you've done that you feature or you feature other readers' uh, projects on your site. So the the goal here is get the Google traffic, but then build your audience from that because your audience will be repeat visitors and it doesn't get any better than to have repeat visiting audience day in and day out as you push out new content because I mean if you got push button traffic via an email or a, a new video on YouTube or a new podcast it, you know that that is fantastic that's the goal and that's why I like hobby niches so much uh, I'm, I'm actually not in a hobby niche I don't do a hobby niche uh I don't really have a hobby, uh, but I think if I one day did pursue a hobby, I would jump in with two feet for sure. I do play quite a bit of squash. I've been tempted to start a squash site. I've actually checked out some other squash uh, sites out there. And, uh, well, the thing is, uh, the few that are out there are actually really, really good. Uh, I at, at this stage in my squash playing career, not that it's a career, I don't think I could do a better job. It, it's it's a lot of work, and I'm busy with a lot of other sites, and I would only want to cover such a site if I could really do it justice, and, and I think this is an important point. If you're going to do this, this isn't something that you're going to just rifle up a bunch of regurgitated content. Niche sites that cover hobbies should, should really show a lot of passion and interest in the topic uh, because your audience is going to know that right your audience are experts anybody who's knitted for five or ten years or longer they're going to they're going to know whether your site is garbage or really good and authentic very very quickly right you're not providing just general information about some some topic what you're doing is you are doing something that is you know that there are tens of thousands of people who are interested in it and are going to know at a much higher level than say some generic topic niche site such as something on automobiles where people just want to they're researching uh, minivans and they need to know the specs and perhaps a review of a particular minivan they don't they don't really they don't really look at your credentials they're not assessing the article all that much detail. I mean, if I were going to do an automobile website, which I think would be really cool, actually, 
all you have to do is go test drive the automobile, and boom, you've got a lot of content from that. And one test drive, while you're not obviously an expert to the degree of, say, the engineer who designed the automobile, you're going to have a pretty good sense of it, right? You go test drive 10 minivans. I don't know if there are 10 different ones, but let's say you did. You're going to have a really good idea about the different minivans and what they offer, what's good and what's bad. I mean, that's it, right? It's not like you're a minivan hobbyist. There's no such thing. So that's a big difference, right? And your audience is not going to know any different. They're going to appreciate the fact you did a test drive and here's your thoughts and they'll probably read some other reviews and so on. But when it comes to the hobbies, you got to know your stuff. So in terms of traffic, you want to kick it off with Google, but I think simultaneously you want to definitely be hitting the other channels hard. And until recently, podcasting was something I had never done, and I've now since launched two podcasts, one for Fat Sex, which you're listening to now, obviously, and one for a niche site. And I plan to roll out more for other niche sites as I grow them. I think for the hobby niches, kicking off a podcast like right off the bat is a great idea. Uh, you get those things in, in the, um, iTunes and, and Stitcher and Spotify, you're going to find an audience. They're going to find you, and if they like it, they're going to subscribe, and they're going to listen to your podcast over and over and over as you release new episodes. So I, I think it's a, I think hobby niches are perfect for podcasting. right? So there's so many podcasts that cover the business realm, a lot of business podcasts, uh, probably a lot of political podcasts uh, some and entertainment news profiling type podcasts, but probably not a lot in hobby niches. And yet, so I think there is a very good opportunity there because millions of people listen to podcasts and the chances are your quilting or knitting audience listens to podcasts. And so why not serve them with a really good podcast. It'll be something different. YouTube, same thing. Now, YouTube, pretty saturated with the hobby stuff, so that that's going to be uh, more work to break in. But if you did some great videos, especially some tutorials, I think you could start getting some traction fairly quickly. Pinterest is a no-brainer. Get your, get your images, especially your own designs and your own projects. You want to get those on Pinterest. That would resonate really, really well. Same with Instagram. So, bang, you've got five channels. Google, Podcast, YouTube, Pinterest, and Instagram for your creative hobby niches. And that's a no-brainer. You want to kick them all off right away. You don't want to wait. Get that info out there. So, the process would be like this. Publish article. Let's say it's a tutorial or a how-to on a particular knitting technique. Turn that into a podcast. Now, I understand that your listeners can't see what you're doing. So you want to discuss the podcast in sufficient detail so that they can visualize from just listening as to what you're doing. It may be the, uh, an idea that actually inspires the listener and they'll take it from there. But if you can step them through it verbally, do so. Uh, YouTube, while it's a lot more work to create videos than, a, than an audio podcast, you have the whole visual benefit so your audience can actually see what you're doing, see the, see the finished results, see the step-by-step -step tutorial, and so forth. It takes a while to make those videos, but if they're done well, they can really grow your brand quickly. Pinterest, obviously, just an image or a series of images that link back to your site, and same with Instagram. So it's pretty simple. I think those are all five channels you definitely want to do. The sixth channel is email, all right? I've already talked about you're serving an audience and you want to 
you want to grow that audience. You want people who are riveted to your content, who want to read it, your new content over and over. One of the best ways to keep in touch with your audience is email. Yes, you can keep in touch with the podcast subscribers and YouTube subscribers and Pinterest followers, but email, it, it really does still not get easier than email. Every time you send publish something new, you put it in an email, you send it out. Hey, here's a new podcast episode. Here's a new video. Here's a new article, etc., etc. Now let's talk about monetizing hobby niches, especially creative hobby niches. Here's another reason I like these niches is that you have multiple options. And depending on how you approach this and how ambitious you are will depend on which is your best option. Okay, so first off, obviously we've got display ads. That's going to work. A lot of hobby niches just use display ads. It's a viable and can be a very lucrative option if you get a lot of traffic. I use display ads on every niche site except yeah, actually every niche site now, and they are very lucrative, and that's a good starting point. It's a really good starting point because it's easy. You put the ads on your site, and you're done. You collect the checks. The other option, and you can do this with uh, display ads, all right? This, this is not zero sum. This is not like one or the other. You can do everything that I'm going to list out here. The affiliate links and affiliate marketing with various merchants that sell stuff relevant to your audience, right? So if you're in the sewing niche, you could do a whole series on sewing machines. Reviews, comparisons, best of, the whole bit with sewing machines. And people buy them. They buy them online. They buy them at Amazon. They probably buy them elsewhere. You'd be an affiliate. You'd do really good reviews and write-ups on these. You probably want to get your hands on all the different sewing machines. You want to try them and then you could write about them and that would be a uh, affiliate marketing campaign and it can be very very lucrative if you happen to rank for those but here's the thing with hobby niches right a lot of times affiliate marketing you're you're either going to have focus on an audience that you can recommend products to and just because they like you and they trust you and they're your audience they'll buy or you're going to do the old search engine play where you're just trying to rank for particular terms. They're going to search in Google. They're going to come there. and going to click an affiliate link and buy. With hobby niches, you actually get both, right? You get both uh, audience alignment as well as the Google search intent, right? So you, you publish a review. You have an email list of, of knitting or sewing enthusiasts. And you publish a review of the latest and greatest sewing machine that was released by whichever sewing machine company, and you send the email out to your email readers. You do the video review on YouTube. You do maybe even a podcast review of the product, and you've got it published on your website. And so the goal is you want to rank for that keyword, whatever X sewing machine review in Google and get that traffic, but you also have your audience alignment and some of them will hopefully click and buy if they need the sewing machine. So it's really a really a, a great win-win in the affiliate angle. Now, there are some creative niches where there's not a lot of affiliate opportunities, right? Like crocheting. I'm not into crochet, so I don't know everything you need, but my understanding is, is you need the thread or the fabric and some crochet needles. Um, there may be some crochet patterns you could promote, but it's not like there's some big expensive piece of equipment you need. So I'm not sure that would be the best option uh, affiliate for crochet niche. So it will depend on the niche. Quilting has some very expensive equipment, quilting machines and so forth. And so that could be a good opportunity. Other options would include starting up like a, a membership portal because you have an aligned, loyal audience. If you can 
somehow produce something that it, people would be willing to pay for uh, in a membership that could totally work or just sell one-off courses. Uh, for instance, if you are very creative or you can hire someone who's very creative to come up with various patterns or something pattern-oriented within the, the creative hobby niche, that is something you could potentially sell. Now, I would probably do research and see all the other competitors out there because I suspect in these niches there are a lot of competitors because digital products are pretty easy to produce and the, and the profit margins are insanely high. So usually if there is a, uh, a info product or a digital product angle within a niche, it's going to be fairly saturated. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because if you're very, very good and you build up an audience, the chances are they are going to buy. So that's something to explore. Now, that is more technical. It is not something I would suggest that you do out of the gates. I would build up your site, get familiar with the whole traffic process, the, the easier monetization options being display ads and affiliate. And then once you, you've got things humming along nicely and, and you've got the experience under your belt, then explore the whole concept of selling courses and membership uh, portals. You could even go so far as to opening up a store if there are products that you could perhaps white label, like crochet needles with your with your website domain on there, or uh, logo brand name. Uh, you could source them. That probably wouldn't be very difficult. You could sell them. I don't think this would be a super lucrative angle. I, I, I certainly, I mean, you could even wholesale sewing machines and sell them, create a store. So a store is an option. E-commerce is not really my thing. I probably would would not go this direction if I ran a hobby niche site, but I could see how one could. Uh, it's a lot of work. You've got customer support. You've got to source the, the whatever it is you're selling. Um, the, it, there's a lot involved. You've got to deal with shipping and logistics. It's, it's, it's not an easy operation. But if you do make it work, the profit margins are way better than affiliate commissions, and so the potential profit could be very, very good. Now, if you really build up a big and loyal audience and they're willing to pay to travel, you could even start up various events like conferences or workshops or something like that and book a hotel room and sell seats and, and do all this. Now, in the business world, you can charge some premium bucks for, for these tickets, right? People are willing to pay a thousand bucks to go and visit a conference if they, th if they believe that they're going to get some really good information pertinent to their business, right? It's going to serve them. Help them earn a lot of profit. I'm not sure you could sell a thousand dollar tickets to a particular ho creative hobby niche event. I'm not sure it's possible, but I don't know. Maybe if you had an angle where you're serving uh, uh, business folks within the niche, that might work. So it's something to keep in mind. It's not something I would probably do, but I mention it because it's a possibility. And maybe you're in, in the niche and you notice there are events going on all the time and they're selling tickets for 30 bucks, but they're selling hundreds of them or thousands of them and, and it makes them economically viable. Now, in terms of content ideas, obviously niche sites typically what you are your your product is content in, in a variety of different ways. And so you as you go along in your niche, you're going to come up with more content ideas. And that's the point. I'm constantly coming up with new content ideas, new topics, new keywords. A no-brainer starting content concept with a creative hobby niche would be tutorials. How to do this, how to do that. I imagine in crocheting and quilting and sewing, there are a million different things that you could do a tutorial on how to do 
I'm not into these niches, so I don't know the, the technical terms, but there must be a lot of different things that people would want to know. And and they don't have to be super long, right? It could just be a, a very particular technique or method that you just, you, you know, you don't have to, every post doesn't be like how to knit a whole sweater. You could do how to do a particular stitch, I suspect, all right? And so you could break it all down, right? So if, if you're in the quilting niche and, you know, you don't have to do a 10,000-word post on how to quilt a blanket, you could actually break it down into a series and, and then put it all together as a series of different articles. So uh, tutorials are a no-brainer. I already mentioned product reviews, buying guides, if there are if there is equipment needed for the particular niche. You could stay atop of industry news and trends and write about that. Uh, if there are events within the hobby niche, you could cover those. You could, you could promote those on behalf of the event holders and, and that would be something that your audience would appreciate. Remember, keep in mind, it's not always a Google search play, right? I've even posted uh, press releases of events within my niche, and I'll do it word for word, and it, it's, 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 it's the same contents covered elsewhere, but it's relevant to my audience. And a lot of times, I just think about, well, would the audience appreciate knowing about this? It, I'm never going to get organic search traffic from it. It's, it's an event, so it's not evergreen. And once the event's done, that's... It's it's a, it's a useless article, but it serves the audience, and sometimes that trumps all. And in fact, the more and more you think about serving the audience, the, the better your site's going to be in the long run. Another content idea I like for creative hobby niches would be interviews. You could interview uh, skilled people within the creative hobby, and I, I, t- I tell you, as you build up an audience, they're going to contact you and they're going to email you and you're going to be able to tell that they really know what they're doing. You're going to actually probably make friends. It's a- actually really cool. You're going to meet a lot of people digitally online via email. Maybe you start a forum. A forum can be a very good idea uh, with creative hobby niches because it's this ongoing interest and people share ideas. So you could do that, and that's not expensive. And forums can uh, generate a lot of page views very, very quickly. So you could do interviews with people who are, are highly skilled or have done a really cool project in, uh, or who are celebrity within in, in the uh, niche. You could create what I call ideas or inspiration articles. I like doing these. I think these are very pertinent to any creative aspect niche. You could uh, profile a whole bunch of finished products from, or projects from a bunch of readers or from from some experts. Or you know, you want to get permission to be able to use their images, but you can put together 10, 15, 20 of these and do a brief write up on each. But you know, it's not going to be like in depth how to to do each one. Now you can write those as separate articles, but the whole point is to create some sort of like what's possible inspiration ideas uh, within the creative niche. And one other content idea I'd want to set out is I think these types of niches are ripe for checklists, pretty simple to put together. Uh, There's usually a lot of checklists for uh, various aspects of hobby niches. Now, there's not going to be hundreds of these, but there's probably going to be like, like anywhere from three to five, maybe 10 staple checklist concepts. They're a good resource for your readers. You can put those together. They're pretty easy to post. So that that's a, a good number of content ideas to kick off a site. As you get deeper into the niche, you are going to discover a lot more, and that's really, really good. Keep the your audience in mind. Focus on growing the audience. And uh, all in all, I think creative hobby niches, if you are into it and you've done it and you have a certain level of expertise or you are starting 
and you're really committed to it and you really want to become very good at it and you're going to start a blog. Even if you don't know a lot about it in the beginning, you could start with the really simple stuff and as you're learning, you're blogging about it. I think that's a viable approach. Focus on building your audience and really serving the audience and you can make a really good go of it and in fact turn basically what is a fun creative pursuit into a viable business. Thanks for listening.